Hi, welcome to Gomology, a podcast about menswear and clothing, old and new, from a perspective of buying, wearing, evaluating, appreciating and collecting. The idea is to provide a non-fashion view of what men might wear if they knew more about it and the stories that go with. For today's podcast, my guest is Miguel from uh, British footwear brand Marcus D. And um, welcome to the podcast, Miguel. Thank you very much, Nick. Nice to be here. Now, I've invited you here today to um, talk a little bit about what you do and walk us through your tips and guidance on shoe care. Would you like to start by just mentioning a bit about uh, Marcus D and what you do? Sure. So, um, yeah, as as Nick uh, was saying, um, my name's Miguel from from uh, British shoe footwear brand uh, Marcus D. We essentially uh, design and make by hand um, pretty much all of our shoes in England, uh, most of which, or the majority of which, are Goodyear welted. And we also do uh, another brand called Travel Lux, which is, again, handmade stuff, a little bit more casual, um, but again, same sort of qualities. Um, And we use quite a big range of, of leathers and suede across our range. And we've been going for around seven, eight years now. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's more or less it. Just get us started on uh, the shoe care side of things. There are various leathers used in shoes, from suede up to Horween, Chrome XL, horse's butt leather. Could you walk us through a little bit about what sort of leather types there are? Sure. I mean, again, you've mentioned most of them there in, you know, in, in the overview. Um, yeah, I mean, from, from our point of view, we use uh, a pretty wide range. For most of our formal shoes, we, we use uh, calf or fox or baby calf, which is a very soft, supple leather, um, which lends itself really well to sort of high shine and, and formal looks. Um, all the way across to, as you mentioned, uh, horse butt leather, which is known as Shell Cordovan, um, which is a very expensive, um, very robust, um, quite unique looking leather, which um, is very oily and actually lends itself to, um, over time, uh, forming really nice patinas. Um, and it is very popular, it has quite a cult following uh, globally, especially uh, in places like Japan where uh, it's held in very high regard. Um, and most of that, most of the best sort of shell cordovan is produced uh, in the States. So from uh, a tannery called Hallween, which also produced um, another leather called uh, Chrome XL, which we actually use quite a lot of. Which again is an, is another very sort of uh, waxy, oily um, leather, which again forms some really beautiful patinas over time. So um, of course, all of these leathers you know, need to be treated differently, um, and then you go across into uh, embossed sort of grain leathers, um, pebble grain, etc., which again is is very sort of popular, especially with English shoemakers. Um, which is very robust and takes even less sort of care. Um, so you have quite a wide range of uh, sort of care levels for your leather. Um, and then again, you know, we go into suede, which is a completely different uh, setup altogether in terms of care. So, I mean, that's kind of a, a sort of overview of, of the most popular kind of leathers that are used in shoemaking. And from this, I sense that with the differences in leather, there's really no one-size-fits-all guide to caring for them. <laughs> Absolutely, um, yeah. There, there is um, there's quite a wide range uh, of care for these leathers, um, and of course, there are also different sort of schools of, of, of thought behind, you know, how how people actually look after these leathers, and it and some of it comes down to to preference personal sort of preference on 
what they want the finished look you know to, to be so yeah <laughs> it's definitely a, a very wide-ranging subject it, it's quite simple in some way um because the you know the basics are you know pretty pretty simple as long as you stick to those but then as you get into the, the more complex levers um and again the more sort of complex looks then you, you are into some uh, pretty complicated ground so yeah so for someone uh, picking up their shoes now and wanting to get into a little bit of shoe care what would be the first part of the process well the first part of the process would be to identify the type of leather it is um, and to get it clean so I mean, you know, generally speaking, if it's a leather and, and not a suede, so pretty much any kind of leather with the exception of exotics, um, you would basically just use a sort of medium stiff brush, uh, wait until the, the shoes are dry, if they've been, you know, wet in any way, uh, and just basically brush all the debris off to give it a really good brush, uh, Top, top and bottom, so sides of the sole uh, and the whole upper. Um, always try and take the laces out first, which just helps. Um, and then once that's done, you need to get uh, a lint-free cloth, and it's really important that it's that it's lint-free. Otherwise, you're just going to create more work for yourself. So just a damp cloth, give it a wipe, remove the sort of fine dust that may be sitting on there after the brushing. And then just leave to dry for a while. So that's, that's the first step, just to get the shoe, you know, really clean. Hmm. That's, uh, that's wise. And I think taking the laces off also allows you to really get in, into the areas where, which were normally closed, but tend to gather up sand and gravel and so you can really yeah, exactly. get properly clean. Exactly. Yeah. Just, just, uh, yeah, just give yourself a better chance. It makes your life easier. So once they're clean and dry, you'll be wanting to feed the leather. Yeah. So I mean, that's a that's a really good point. Um, I don't think many people consider <clears throat> the fact that they're actually um, feeding the leather. I mean, the, the leather is obviously a it, uh, natural material. So. <clears throat> We sort of take a lot of care over our skin uh, and the products that we put on our cars, for example, to polish them. I don't think many people actually sit and think about the product they're putting onto that leather um, initially. So you've you've got a really beautiful base product that you've uh, you know you obviously like, and you you've picked them out, you've purchased them, um, and I think it's really important that you know you realise that the leather is going to dry out over time and through wear and the drier it gets the more damaged it becomes and so the longer you leave it the drier it gets and you end up with something that doesn't really resemble what you actually first purchased so um, feeding the leather with a natural um, sort of beeswax product for if you're talking about an oily leather a leather that is um, you're not looking to achieve a high shine on should be something very natural uh, a cream or beeswax and you can just push that into the leather using small circular motions very very small um, and just take your time you you if you any of you imagine that what you're actually doing is not polishing the shoe but actually just moisturizing it uh, and putting putting some of that you know feeding that putting some of that moisture back in so that's that's the first step for that kind of leather because that's quite important. There's a difference between moisturising or feeding the leather and putting wax on to get a high shine. And I think a lot of people do the shine part, but sort of disregard the maintenance of the leather itself. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, <clears throat> it's a key part, and and there is a distinct difference between the two. Uh, and, and again, it's, it's like you, you intimated you know, earlier about um, basically one size fits all, but it, it really doesn't when it comes to this sort of you know, situation. So, yeah, you need to definitely, uh, in your mind, draw the difference down between polishing it 
and, and feeding it. So yeah, the, the first step is, is definitely to do that. I mean, again, it, it, it does largely depend on, on the type of leather, but in general, um, most leathers, you really do need to feed them first. Are there products that might cause a barrier to be made so that the leather actually isn't receiving the feed it needs? Uh, I know from my own experience of working with the car interiors, uh, people tended to use a silicone um, product, which made them nice and shiny, but really made a barrier that the later treatments feeding it couldn't come through. Is it the same for shoes? Yeah, absolutely. That, that's a really good point. Um, you, you're completely right about that. It's If you're using um, some of the aerosols that are very popular uh, and they yeah, do have silicone in them, for example, like waterproofing agents, um, all you're doing is, is exactly that. You're forming a barrier. So therefore, yeah, none of none of the goodness, none of the, the feed is actually going to reach the leather. And also, uh, on, on another point, in terms of, of creating barriers, you're also um, trapping all the moisture in that you're creating when wearing the shoe, inside the shoe. So you, you're kind of doing um, you have two things which, uh, which are not great for the shoe. So yeah, that is something that, that you should definitely bear in mind um, because all mm -hmm. the work, you're, the product you're then putting on top, it's just going to sit on top of the barrier that you formed initially. It's strange that these products are so popular when really they're probably so bad for the <laughs> the shoes. Yeah, well, no, I mean, like like a lot of things in life, it's um, I think a lot of this stuff was born out of convenience. And you know, if you're if you're selling products, people saying, "Listen, in in a, in, a, in this spray can is is everything you need. You you just need to." hold it up and spray it on the shoe and I think obviously you know through, through not wanting to spend you know, a huge amount of time um, cleaning shoes and, and, and not just shoes but lots of, of other products I think that kind of one-stop shop or you know one size fits all is a really popular popular way to to purchase products and it's really easy to market that um, so yeah I, I think that's really led to their to their popularity. Yeah, I see these uh, these sort of ready-made sponges which contain silicone and colour and whatnot, and you just wipe them over your shoes and they're good to go. Very exactly. convenient. Yeah, you're uh, you're right. That always reminds me of um, I mean years ago in, when you stayed in hotels, they would have these little um, shoe sign kits that they'd leave in in your room. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure they do that these days, but but yeah, that's exactly that. It's that sponge with the colour in it and a bit of, of silicone in there, and bang, you're you're done. Apparently. Yeah. That that brings us nicely into the next step of the process. So we've you fed the leather, and if they're a smarter pair of shoes or you want a bit of shine on them, what would you do from there? Well, if if you wanted a good shine on these shoes, you would after feeding them. Um, normally would leave them as long as possible before you then start to apply um, a high shine product. So you would try and leave that shoe um, for a few hours at least for the feed to actually soak in properly because if you don't do that you're, you're again going to have problems when you try and, and add that, that shine on. I mean from our point of view we don't like we don't really like to endorse um, you know one particular product for doing all of this. There are lots of very good products out there, um, but for, from a high shine point of view, we tend to use Saphir, which you know, as you will know yourself, is a, is a very well known um, high quality uh, maker of these sort of products, and we use just mm. the clear um, the clear high shine cream, and all we would do. Is again same same sort of process. Um, so once the feed is is more or less um, soaked into the leather, we then select the area of the shoe that we wanted the high shine on. Um, again, as a brand, we we tend not to shine the entire shoe so that we get a uniform look. We prefer to go with um, kind of a 
different look, which is where we would just shine the toe or the toe and the heel. Um, and if you have a nice calf leather, for example, which we select for our, our formal stuff, they have very, it has very, very small pores, which allows you to build up the polish on top of the area that you want to the shine on. Um, we put one layer on and then we would leave it for yeah, as long, as long as, as you want to leave it for the lot. Again, the longer, the better. Um, and just sort of build up layer on layer. And, and that's actually how you get that, that depth to your shine. Um, and, and a much, a much sort of, you know, richer looking finish is by, is by layering up. Um, and in, and in between the layers, we use, uh, a lot of people use brushes. We don't really, uh, tend to use that, um, technique. We use, uh, lint-free, very soft cotton rags. Um, we put one in, in, in the boxes when you purchase our shoes. And, and that's the intention is that you use that in between layers to just give it a gentle rub. Uh, and that will bring out the shine, kind of let the leather do the work, if, if that makes sense. Would a well-used T-shirt work for that? Absolutely. I mean, that's, again, something that we recommend is, is old uh, cotton T-shirts, because actually they're, they make fantastic, uh, fantastic polishing cloths. And, you know, it's, it's a way of, of reusing and recycling that material. So, uh, yeah, we'd recommend that for sure. Hmm. So would the amount of layers you use to build up have anything, any impact on the longevity of, uh, of the shine? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, <clears throat> much like other aspects of, of, of building up finishes uh, on whatever material we're talking about, the, within reason, the more layers you're, you're putting on there, the deeper the shine and the, and, and the more protection you're going to get because obviously it hasn't uh, you know a, a many more barriers the, the weather has a lot more to to try and get through so uh, we would recommend on a formal sort of calf that we would put between four and six layers uh, especially onto the areas like the toe which which will take and the heel in fact which will take um, a lot of the weather as you can imagine so with your daily use um yeah, the more layers you put on, um, the longer it will last. Uh, and in fact, you know, the, the, the fewer times you'll have to do this. So, yeah, it's, it's actually worth spending a little bit of time um, actually doing it each time, which uh, which means the frequency will be less and the longevity will be will be more in terms of uh, you know the condition of the shoes. So yeah. So, so when you get home after a day's uh, use, would you brush them off or wipe them off to remove the dust? Yeah, I mean, again, that would depend on on the kind of you know the time of year and and the sort of wear that we're talking about. Obviously, everybody's uh, lifestyle is different. But um, for example, if you're spending a lot of time on public transport, um, of course, obviously based here, you know, if you're you're spending a lot of time on the underground, for example, um, then yeah, your shoes take. Um, a, a hell of a, of a battering on a daily basis. So I would recommend that you just, you do that because if you let, let it build up, let things build up and you've got a bigger job and more damage to the leather. So yeah, I would definitely give them a, a gentle wipe um, when possible. And especially if, if you've been out in the wet and you know, winter streets are you know, pretty bad for your shoes. So yeah. Right. Um, when you're doing this, do you do anything special with regards to the welt and the side uh, of the sole? We do. So I, again, with our uh, Goodyear welted shoes, we we tend to, a, a lot of people will actually forget that um, the side of your soles, so the edge, you know, the sole edges are actually leather and also, you know, <laughs> Very much part of the shoe and, and the look of the shoe, um, and it's a it's a bit um, to just do your shoes the upper and leave leave the side the edge of the soles and the welt um, is a bit of a shame. So yeah, I mean we when the shoes are made we obviously uh, use stain to seal the leather, 
around the sides. And as the life of the shoe, uh, you know, as you go through the life of the shoe, you should definitely be thinking about using the same product as you're using for the upper on the side of the soles. Um, because these dry out much quicker than the upper. Uh, they're much closer to the ground and obviously, and they're taking uh, a lot of, a, uh, they're taking a lot of wear. So the more feed you put in there and the more uh, care you take with that, you'll actually manage to um, prolong the life of your soles as well, which obviously saves, you know, time and money in the, in the, uh, in the long run. It means that resoling will be less frequent, for example. So yeah, we do really to pay attention to the edge of your soles and the welt as well. It strikes me that the edges are probably a lot of shoes very much less protected than the uppers, uh, and it's just straight into the raw leather there. And unless fed, filled, it will suck water in, which I might that even rot the stitching quicker. Yeah, absolutely. You're you're right. It's um, they will because they become drier quicker if they're not treated. They do they they or they can start to behave a bit like a sponge, in that they will just start to absorb and suck in uh, the water and the debris, and of course what they'll do then is start to to rot the soles and the stitches if you like from the inside out. That makes sense. So you so you're not necessarily to the naked eye. Um, and then, yeah, all of a sudden you'll start to have broken stitches and, you know, holes starting to appear um, where you didn't necessarily see any damage. But yes, I mean, absolutely, you're standing in you know, in water a lot of the time uh, and it will just be sucking that on board um, and then, you know, sitting there and rotting. So, yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's always a good idea. It takes a couple of extra minutes. Um, just to you know, do the entire shoe. So yeah, what would you do to make sure your shoes last as long as possible? I mean, what what sort of is the most important care to make sure the leather lasts, the soles last, that you just have your good shoes for a long time? Uh, well, I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty basic um, when you think about it. But I think you if you if you don't do I mean, I'll go through the the list now. But if if you don't go and, and do these things in the right order, um, then it can be quite detrimental. But I mean, basically, from when purchasing the shoes, um, I wouldn't leave it too long before you start to feed them. Um, people forget that actually the amount of moisture we produce in the shoe when we're wearing it, especially with uh, you know, like a Goodyear welted or, or a bench-made shoe, is that most of those, or almost all of those components are leather, including the, the insole and the insole. And they're just absorbing water all the time, moisture, as, as you're wearing them. So when you take them off, if you've been out in the rain, for example, you should turn the shoes onto their side and allow the, the sole to dry out properly away from um, heat sources. So you know, uh, that's the first thing. Second thing is you should be thinking about putting the stuffing that comes with your shoe, um, like a high quality paper, should be put back into those shoes where possible, where, where you're not wearing them. Um, if your soles of your shoes get really damaged, if you're out, you know, for example, walking winter streets with salt, you should brush those off once it's dry. And you should always make sure that your shoes are pretty much completely dry before you put them back away in a box or, or into your shoe cupboard or wherever it is you keep them. Um, and, and change the laces quite frequently, which is also something that can prolong the life of the eyelets um, in your shoes and the shape of the van. Um, and again, just keep them uh, as clean and let them dry out and feed them uh, as often as possible, and actually, if you do those things, uh, your the life of your shoe will, will you know undoubtedly be prolonged. So it's uh, especially when you're talking about you know your handmade, uh, bench-made shoe. Um, that is really what you need to be doing. So it's not complicated, um, but it's just a, a routine if you want to prolong the life and and really 
you know, things like water are, if they're left, you know, sort of shoes are put away when they're still wet, or indeed if you polish them when they're still wet, then that is one of the worst things you can do. You're just trapping all the moisture in there. So they, they would be my tips. Right. I was just thinking that the leather comes from a cow, and when the cow was wearing it, it was superbly functional, very supple. Can you sort of tell when you've fed a shoe enough? I mean, how supple should the leather be? Because a lot of shoes, when you get them, are cardboard-like. I mean, the leather has been so dried out during the tanning process. Is there any way of sort of telling when it's fed enough back to normal? Yeah, I mean, there, there, are, there are really, again, it would depend on, strictly speaking, on, on the leather that, that, you know, that we're talking about. But in general, um, yeah, when, when, you, when you buy shoes, a lot of the time they have been, they've spent time in boxes, in warm stores, uh, in storerooms where they've been drying out even further, you know, from, from, from production where, you know, when we produce the shoe, for example, that shoe is finished. Um, and the way it's finished is, you know, it's fed, it's polished, it's buff, um, it's stained. You know, there, there are all these processes that we go through. But then once it enters the box and it's shipped out, there is a, obviously a, a, a period of time where it's just sat there drying out. So in many ways, wearing them, getting some heat into them for the first you know, few hours when you purchase a shoe is very important. And once you've done that, you can then um, feed them pretty much immediately give them a polish and as you start to wear them you'll start to notice um, in the first indicator is color so as the color starts to change it starts to become a little bit lighter sometimes the leather can start to have these tiny little hairline cracks and creases that's when you know that you're really you know heading towards the next feed or the next polish but there is a way also uh, which again can be, you know, quite common in, in the people are over polishing and over feeding the leather as well, which, which in some ways can also be detrimental to the shoe in terms of it keeping its shape, um, which is the most important, um, element of that. So it really don't overfeed a shoe. I think in terms of, of what you're actually putting on, onto the product, you should really less is less is more so at the beginning little and often is actually you know more let's say it's it's a smarter way of, of of doing it rather than leaving it for long periods of time and then dumping a load of product onto the shoe so overfeeding is also not mm. great and you can kind of I, tell I, from you know from, from the look of the leather and also from the touch if, if you can feel the product on top of the shoe then then you know after a few days that you've, you've probably overdone it <laughs> at which point what do you do <laughs> at which point you you do no more so uh, i mean in extreme cases um you would you would take a cloth and, and actually try and absorb some of the surface product so if you find that it's looking like that after a couple of days then you've definitely put too much in there and what the leather is doing is it's naturally naturally rejecting that feed or that polish so you can give it a helping hand just by just by wiping off the excess as it were yeah. um, and and then wearing them obviously go, you know wearing them for longer and, and keeping an eye on, on the look because they they will change you know with the daily wear this this has been my way of um, I use the words with caution, but breaking in boots like, say, Red Wings, where the leather is fairly thick, it's also immensely dry and hard. Yeah. Uh, most people will sort of see the valour of this breaking in process and just start using them right out of the box, uh, really just causing the leather to crease and the fibres to break, as I see it. But after yeah. a certain amount of time, they will become comfortable, but also kind of broken. Um, I tend to just feed them massively, which means the leather softens up 
and means they're comfortable pretty much straight away. Uh, but there is a risk there of overfeeding them, especially using the oil oil type products. So they um, never really dry out again. <laughs> okay, well, that, that's, that's quite extreme. Um, no, but I mean, joking aside, um, you mentioned, uh, you know, Red Wing. That, that's a good example of a thick, heavy-duty hide, uh, for want of a better word, that, that they use for producing those those kind of uh, boots. And actually, your technique of of feeding, you know, or I don't like to use the word overfeeding, but let's say, you know, overfeeding at the beginning and then wearing them is actually not a bad idea. And and th and this is why, you know, we're looking at an overview of shoe care. But but actually, there are some um, examples, and that's one of them, where if you're just getting them out of the box and just going, you know, full on not feeding them, trying to break them in, as it were, um, you are doing more damage than good um, because that leather is very thick, not supple, very dry um, at the point of you, you receive them. So your technique of, of overfeeding, but actually then wearing them and, and, and trying to get that moisture back in is actually not a bad technique, you know, but again, within reason. Um, I mean, and again, it will, will affect the look of it. As you know, if, if you've done that, then the more feed into a dry leather like that, the, the more um, extreme the color change becomes. Um, so again, that is also down to, to personal preference. But you really shouldn't need to be breaking in, as it were, these shoes. Um, that that is a quite an old-fashioned way of, uh, of looking at things and I think it's yeah a lot of people do still think that they have to go through that pain and it's part of the part of the process but it actually doesn't need to be um, they can wear their shoes for a couple of hours when they first buy them get some heat in there and then start feeling them straight away and uh, as you say it, it will do less long-term damage to the shoe as well so there are some times when you when you can do that this brings to mind another example of shoes that have this uh, sort of breaking in myth, uh, the classic uh, Doc Martens Solivaire work shoes with their uh, corrected leather and very, they're also utterly cardboard like. But I was, mm -hmm. I was reading about uh, how uh, postmen used to uh, wear them in the bathtub to make them form to their feet, which seemed completely ridiculous. But then having tried to actually wear a pair of the classic shoes from scratch. I mean, they are really unpleasant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. You're what, I mean, what we're talking about now is, is precisely the leather that you make your shoes out of. So, uh, yeah, the classic Doc Martens, um, nice, soft, uh, spongy sole, uh, topped with a piece of cardboard. So, you know, corrected leather, um, very low grade, very stiff, um, and there isn't a lot of, of, let's say, naturalness left in that leather by the time they're actually putting it, you know, making that shoe with it. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me uh, the urban myths of, uh, of postmen sitting in the bath with them, but I mean, <laughs> what they're effectively, <laughs> what they're having to do is, is completely break. So not break in, but break that shoe. Um, and by you know, soaking them with water or whatever else they use, um, what they're effectively saying is we need to break down the integrity of of the leather to make them comfortable. Um, and so I think, yeah, that that kind of corrected leather or binder, as it's also known uh, in the trade, it is um, a very unique kind of experience. Um, and again, it's you know, it's it's born out of economics. Um, as a work shoe, very, very tough, very hard wearing. Uh, they take very little care. Um, it's, a, it's a wipe down. And um, but then they are very uncomfortable, uh, you know, first thing and for and for several weeks after that. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it is, it does depend, not, you know, really largely on, on the type of leather. Because with leather like that, there's really no can't really get the feed into them, can you? Because there's, there's no pores left in the surface. 
absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it is a sort of, uh, well, it's a corrected sort of start. And so, and, and it is, um, if you like, embossed in a way. So it's, so it's almost like, um, manufactured printed leather. There's very, there is very little of the natural leather left there. So yeah, you, you're putting, putting anything on it will just really just sit on the surface of it. So trying to feed that leather is, is almost completely pointless. Um, it's, uh, not designed, not designed for that. It's, it, in the way it looks and the way it feels, it's probably the closest to a synthetic, uh, leather that you could, you could actually get. So yeah, that's mm -hmm. kind of one end of, of, of the spectrum. That's pretty extreme end. Um, and it's the opposite end to, Something like a, a horween or, or, or a, a steer, you know, hide or calf, which is, uh, mm. yeah, completely the other end. Moving on to another topic, um, patina. Now I know, uh, a lot of people like an extreme patina that sort of shows the wear they've put into the shoes. Others prefer the shoes to look as nice as the day they were made. Um, I tend to use mainly natural um, polishes because I like the colour the shoes came with. What can you say about um, the topic of patina? Yeah, I mean, from, again, sort of as a brand and, and our sort of personal preference is that we we like to let the leather actually do the work. So the leathers that we select in the first place, we're, we're selecting them, okay, for a formal shoe, we select a certain type, um, which is devoid of any sort of patina at all. Um, and you have a more uniform look. But actually, the majority of the leathers that we select um, through wear will, will develop their own sort of unique patinas, which has become obviously very popular. And, you know, from our point of view, it's a much more natural approach to the way that something will wear. So at one end of, of the scale, as you mentioned, um, you have quite extreme patinas, which um, they're very popular, in, you know, in countries produced in like Italy, for example, where they will use a leather which is, uh, in terms of pigment, has no pigment in the leather to start with. Um, so it's a completely natural leather and they will then start to paint that leather while the, okay, so once the shoe is made um, they'll start to paint it with brushes and then take some of that stain off and then add some more on and they'll basically build up layers and layers of, of stain which can be very very pretty and, and what they're actually doing is taking parts of it off with sponges so you end up with um, a very you know, non-uniform, but a very extreme looking type of cleaner. And then they will obviously, uh, put a, you know, finish that by polishing over the top of it, which is, which essentially seals that patina into the, into the leather. So you're, you're buying that shoe with that look from day one. Um, to achieve that kind of look, you know, retrospectively, so retrospectively is actually very, very, difficult so if you bought a normal shoe and then tried to through polishing techniques um achieve that patina it's absolutely uh, pretty much impossible to do uh, without being extreme um, and distressing and sort of damaging the leather so where we come in in terms of patina is we would for example have a leather like um, chrome xl which we produce quite a lot of shoes in which is a very uh, naturally oily leather. So even once we produce that shoe with nothing sort of on it, if you rub the leather just with your hands, you start to get dark patches, um, which is basically the, the oil coming through, coming out of the leather. So we tend to polish just the toes and then send them out. And as people wear them, they start to develop um, their own, you know, natural patinas, you know, through everybody's daily life is different. The story of that shoe then becomes, you know, their story of their life. So as they wear them, 
they freeze in different places. Um, and what we say to them is, if you don't polish you know, parts of that shoe, you'll start to develop um, not a two-tone effect, but a patina uh, where you can keep the toe a high shine, for example, and the rest of the shoe will become you know, more matte, more chalky, um, and quite distressed looking, um, just the natural wear, of, but you're not actually damaging the shoe. Uh, at all, and I think that's because we have, you know, obviously quite a big interest in that type of shoe because it it's a way of of you um, actually having a unique pair as you as you wear them because they all um, age and patina uh, differently. So, so that's our take on it. Um, I know that there are lots of, of different opinions out there, but um, we tend to to let the leather do its do its thing. Um, and, and do the work. Hmm. I have to confess I'm a, a fan of the burnished look, though um, I have been disappointed by shoes I have bought, which um, when when they're new, they have the lovely burnished effects on them. But then when I polish them, I discover that it's not actually the leather that's been burnished, but it was just a, a polish effect. So I have been yeah. trying to um, to work out how to make that lovely effect, <laughs> building up the layers of the darker polish to bring some life into them yeah i mean it, it, it's interesting because there are kind of two two different sort of products out there in terms of, of, of if you like made patina that, that are like that when you buy them obviously the painted type which i mentioned earlier which is a you know one technique and the other technique that you've just touched on is um where they will use polishes but of course they're sur you know surface applied um in the same way that any other polish is, is applied. So what will happen is after a while that will start to dissipate and, and, and disappear effectively. Whereas a painted type of, of patina and burnishing effects are actually in the leather. And so that makes there's quite a, an important distinction to make between the two. And it and it can um yeah it can cause problems further down the line as it is with you. Um, where the actual polishing techniques are very difficult to replicate in your home um, because a lot of the time these these techniques um, are used in the factories using, you know, machines. So mm. in terms of, of, of being able to buff and force the polishes into the leather, um, very, very difficult to do that by hand with, without, the, you know, the correct machinery. So that's where you're, that's where you're going to have problems with um, kind of trying to, to reproduce that burnishing effect. Mm. Now, there's one topic I wanted to talk to you about, suede, because um, most of what we've talked about so far doesn't really apply for suede. And to my knowledge and experience, it seems the first thing you do when you buy a pair of suede shoes is to get out a can of Scotch Guard or similar and give them a good old dowsing in it. But that can't be all, and it's probably wrong. But what? What? How do you treat suede shoes? Yeah, it's really it's, it, it's interesting that you you bring this up. Um, <clears throat> obviously, suede shoes have become more and more popular. Um, and as you say, what most people will do is either cover them completely in a waterproofing agent, um, or just throw them away when the colour starts to fade or they, they start to look a little bit natty. Um, where we're concerned, we would say that neither of those things are right, obviously. We tend to make most of our suede shoes uh, are made from suede with a very, very small or short pile. We can shave that suede right back. Um, so most of the problems that, that people sort of experience with, with suede and, and not being able to clean them properly or not being able to keep them looking good is because the pile is, is you know pretty high and like anything everything gets trapped all the debris and the water and, and everything else gets sucked into that like again like a sponge and then it's very very difficult to remove that so what I would say and what, what we do is that you know our biggest suede ranges are unlined and designed to wear without socks uh, because they're 
you know, for the summer sort of period. And we would say that they're breathable. So, so it's very important. The first thing is that you don't spray them completely with, as you mentioned, the Scotch guarding uh, agent or a, or a sort of semi waterproofing agent because what you're doing is you're, you're effectively covering that and blocking, blocking the breathability. That's, that's the first thing that you're doing. So you're going to start getting a lot of moisture in the shoot, which with suede, especially unlined, which you know most of it is, um, you're going to start getting staining coming through from the inside of the shoot. And the other element is that um, if you do get any dirt or debris on them, just let them dry out. Give them a, a gentle brush with a with a, a soft to medium, nothing too abrasive, um, and just brush that dirt. Literally, just brush it out. Um, once you've done that, you can then spray but with a non-aerosol so you know we we recommend that you use uh, pumps um, and there are lots of products out there which are not waterproofing so they'll give you some element of water resistance but they still allow the shoe to breathe so they still allow the, the, the spray to, to breathe and wick the moisture that you're producing in the shoe but it also will give you some protection if you drop anything on them as well I think that's with suede that that tends to be we get a lot of of, of uh, communication from our customers on that subject about oh my god I've just dropped something on these shoes what do I do? Um, effectively, suede and the suede that we use now, modern suede's are a lot more robust than they have been in the past. So that's really you know our our advice there would be when you first buy them. Um, to definitely get a really nice product, good, and there are lots of products out there that do this, that will just give you some element of water resistance and, and protection. Um, and from there, the care of suede is actually pretty straightforward. Um, obviously, you need to be a bit more careful with the lighter colours, but um, yeah, effectively, it's quite easy to look after and more robust than people think. Oh, is there anything you can do when the colour of the suede starts fading? Yes, yeah, there is. I mean, <clears throat> with um, there are again a, a handful of products out there where once the, especially with the black and the navy suede's, um, we not just us, but you know, everybody gets this issue with slight colour fading, especially if you've been brushing or cleaning them um, quite often. And all you can do is, is buy a product uh, which is effectively um, suede renovator or restorer, as it's referred to. And it comes in, in small bottles with a sponge attached to the end. And effectively, it is food and pigment restorer, for want of a better word, um, all in one. And you would, you would effectively make sure that the suede is dry. You would brush it gently. <clears throat> And then you can just apply this uh, suede renovator to the, the entire shoe, so not just the sh parts of the shoe that are fading. And it gives you, it, it kind of, it basically, you know, restores the colour to a certain extent. They're pretty good products, actually. So yeah, there, there is there is uh, something you can do for that. Excellent. I have a feeling a lot a lot of people are unaware of that. Hence, yeah. a lot of suede shoes being binned well before their natural life has expired. Exactly, and then that's a, an absolute travesty. We, we don't want that. We, uh, yeah, I think we we like to think that our shoes um, will have a long, long life. So, uh, you know, <clears throat> throwing these suede shoes away before their time is, uh, yeah, it's, it's unnecessary when you can hunt out these products that, uh, that are available now. And they're very good products, actually. So, yeah. Speaking of natural life of shoes, one of the big advantages uh, when we're talking about Goodyear welted shoes is that you can resole them a number of times. When is the right time to resole them? Because obviously you don't want to resole them too soon, but there probably is a point when it's also too late. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right. We. Um... <laughs> We, we deal a lot with this uh, with our customers where we, of course, we offer a, a service where you can send your shoes back to us and, and, and we completely resole them and, and resock them. 
with your Gideon Martin. Um, the question of when is, is, is the right time? Well, I mean, ultimately, the, the outer soul, the, the part that's actually making the contact with, with the ground is, you know, that first layer. Once you're starting to go through that and into the layer just beneath it is when you should actually be starting to think about having a new soul. It's, it's critical that you, you don't wait until you go through that middle layer because you're, you're then causing a hole which will go all the way through. And then that will require you to have a completely new soul, which, you know, in terms of cost is, is much more significant. So what, what we always say to people is once you start to wear through the initial soul, the outer soul, um, you should think about having, having that soul replaced, um, sooner rather than later, because actually you can get away with having a half soul put on there. Which means that, you know, we're not going through uh, the process of, of dismantling the shoe completely from its soul and resoling it. So that's, that's the first step. That's the first sort of, um, point at which you should be looking to resole your shoe. Uh, I mean, I'm guessing now we are talking about leather sole. Um, and it's the same with, with your heels. Um, I think. You know, a lot of a lot of people don't realise that that also with a, a men's Goodyear welted shoe you can just have the heel replaced if if that's what you know if that's what you need to do you don't have to have the whole sole replaced so I think you need to keep an eye on them um, and it's it's critical that you don't start going through the stitches at the top of the welt um, and going you know too too aggressively through the toes all the way through to the welt. Because then you're once you damage the welt, you're you're talking about a much bigger job. So that's that's what we recommend with with Goodyear welted. Right. Um, now I know from our previous uh, discussions that uh, you have strong opinions on shoe trees. Shoe trees are generally accepted as being a very good thing for your shoes, either in the form of the shapely cedar tree ones or the cheap plastic bendy rubbish ones but i know you have a your own opinion on this yeah i mean so shoe trees there are you know as, as you say that there's um there are different schools of thought where this is concerned and different specialists different manufacturers collectors they all have their own opinion on this um our opinion is that with a goodyear welted shoe the shoe tree should be and should be taken from the original last. So if you think about a pair of shoes that you bought, which is a particular shape, and you love the shape, which is why you bought them, you then buy an aftermarket shoe tree, whether it's wood or plastic, whatever it is, it won't be the correct shape for that shoe because it, because it wasn't made from, from the original last. So it will be a different shape. So what you're effectively doing is putting something into the shoe, which is a different shape. So, you know, our, our take on that is, if you're gonna buy a shoe tree, you should look to buy the shoe trees that have been made by the same people who make your shoe. And, and there are um, a lot of, of uh, producers out there that do exactly that. Um, and so that's a, a, much, a much better way of keeping the shape and effectively, the job of a shoe tree is to keep the shape and absorb the moisture that you put into the shoe. Um, in terms of plastic shoe trees, uh, again, we don't really condone the use of, of plastic um, where possible. And a plastic shoe tree will just do either more damage or, or absolutely nothing <laughs> to your shoe. So you know, yeah. the shapeless ones uh, don't actually do anything. So yeah, you'd be putting them, in, pulling them in and out of your shoe. Uh, what you're doing is stretching the heel, actually, uh, and the top line of the heel will become misshapen. So that's that's what you'll be doing with a plastic shoe tree, um, but actually not affecting the toe. And with um, a wooden one, you'll be forcing a different shape into the toe of the shoe. So I just think then you need to, there needs to be a little bit of caution. Um, where shoe trees are concerned when, when people think about 
buying them. Um, <clears throat> it's a great idea. And if, if they are the right shape, then great. But if they're the wrong shape, then you're actually doing more harm than good. And you'd be just as well to keep the stuffing, the, the high quality paper stuffing that comes with the shoes. You'd be better off putting those back into uh, the shoe. Because after all, it's the job is to absorb the moisture and to kind of try and, and uh, keep the creasing to a minimum. So, mm. yeah. It does make perfect sense. And, um, when you say the shoe trees can alter the shape, I actually do use shoe trees for uh, altering the shape of shoes that are a bit narrow, say, where I'll add extra padding to the shoe tree and, uh, and help ease the leather out a bit. Um, but with regards to brands that actually make shoe trees based on their actual lasts, I, I'm not sure I've actually come across anything but the super high-end brands that offer that now. It seemed to be more yeah. common on old, uh, you see, vintage shoes, say a pair of 1960s John Lobs for sale, where the lasts, where the shoe trees are actually the shape, shape of the lasts. But is it is it at all common these days? Well, it's I mean it's, it's never been common. Um, it, and, and as you say, it's <clears throat> predominantly the high end shoe brands that that will do that. So you know, you mentioned Lobs. Uh, also, of course, you know, churches will do this. Um, the Green will do this. So the, the top end of, of, of the, uh, of the spectrum. And, you know, that's, that's unfortunate. Um, I mean, as a brand, we don't, uh, offer shoe trees at this point because of that. Because it's, uh, I think if you're going to offer them, you need, they need to be right for the shoe. So you, mm. you're right in pointing that out is that it, it is, uh, more generally, the the higher end brands that, that will do that. I imagine if you're exactly. paying a grand for a pair of shoes, you probably won't think too much of paying an extra three hundred for shoe trees. Precisely, and 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 also, um, you know, the, the point is, I mean, leading on from that is is that if you are, I mean, most customers will tend to buy. Certainly, where men are concerned, um, if they're buying a, a bench made shoe, they'll find. A shoe they like the look of, obviously, that, that fits them nicely, and they'll they'll then tend to buy similar styles that are made on the same last or in the same shape. So you you would find that you may have a few pairs of shoes that are made on, if not the same, a very similar last um, mm. from from your preferred sort of brand. Um, and so buying you know buying those shoe trees and alternating them is what a lot of people do because. They'll fit the majority of, of their shoes, so you know. I I suppose it, it it's it's all about the investment element, isn't it? And sort of buying less and buying better kind of comes into it. So I suppose a lot of of people out there will be buying less of these shoes, but also buy the the care stuff that that goes with them mm. um, because they Definitely. intend on on wearing them for longer and keeping them for longer, which I think is, is actually long-term, we all know is, is, is better for, for everything, uh, including the environment. So, so it's quite an interesting subject in itself, actually, uh, in terms of, of how people buy and, and why they buy. Um, so yes, huge trees. Indeed. Uh, we're running out of time here now, um, Miguel. So uh, I think we have to round off. Is there anything you'd like to mention in closing? Oh, not really. I, I just I hope that this has been helpful, um, and I hope that uh, anyone who's listening um, realizes that actually it's it's not very complicated. Shoe care doesn't have to be complicated, um, and it can it can actually be. I hasten to use the word fun, but um, you know the end result. Uh, of your shoes is you know it's fantastic so it's, it's worth spending a little bit of time if you're going to invest some money in some nice shoes um to keep them looking how you want them and almost in a way um kind of personal to you so it's it's quite a nice uh, it's quite a nice thing thing to do there we are and pretty simple also a, a wise investment i think if well, you can definitely. uh Keep the shoes for longer. Okay, Miguel. Thanks a lot for coming along. Thank you. Pleasure. Really enjoyed it. 
and bye-bye. Bye. That's all for this episode of Gomology. If you enjoyed this, please do subscribe and I would really appreciate a good rating. Thanks for listening in and see you next time.